For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Things are looking bleak right now for Carolina Panther fans as more and more news, bad news, has piled on since the, what was it, 37-10 to 10 defeat by the Miami Dolphins. Now Christian McCaffrey, done for the season. Dante Jackson, done for the season. And really, the Carolina Panthers appear to be done for the season. It's a, it's a tough day. I'm trying to get amped. I'm trying to figure out how to address and talk about what needs to be talked about. Um, it's kind of like un, untrodden territory for me in a certain degree uh, on this show. So I'm going to need y'all fans, the support y'all need to, you need to prop up the professor. Now each and every week we get up here and we have therapy after the games throughout the year. We're here every Tuesday. And in many ways, I like to think of me locking arms with you, but right now I'm slumped over. I'm injured. My soul hurts. These are the times that try, try men's souls, Cody Lashney, my co-host. Man, um, I don't know how we talk about the Panthers this much and not jump off a roof. Yeah, Tony, such is the life of a diehard Carolina Panther fan, man. We've been through ups. We've been through downs. We've been beaten and drugged after we've had our hopes brought up by the return of Cam Newton only to sink back down to the mediocre hell that we have known for years at a time. But you know what, Tony Dunn? We do it because these fans love when we do it. We do it every Tuesday night. We seemingly do it every night of the week. But you know what's always remained a constant? We're joined by the best Panther fans in all of the internet, Tony Dunn. You already know them and love them. We got our man Drew, Brad Holt. Sea Dog 1983, Justin, Joey the Blind Panther, Esquivel, Kego Fort, Maddie, Matt, Michael Johnson, Richards Outdoor World, Rockhead 1981, Roosevelt Mongo, Trill One Underground <clears throat> West, Tony Dunn, 
Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. You know, the the dog days of this podcast are in the, you know, kind of between the NFL draft and training camp, right? Where it's just like, what the heck are you going to talk about? And you're trying to file, you're hoping nobody gets arrested. You're hoping some sort of good news comes down the pipeline about something. Maybe a cool training video comes out from somebody. But man, I don't, I didn't know that in what, week 13, that we would have to be searching for something, anything good to talk about, CK. I don't know if there's a single good thing to talk about tonight on tonight's show. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, you know, when we first got into the uh, into the back room backstage there, you know, it, it was, you know, a, a part of that conversation to start out. Like, I thought it was bad after Sunday's loss. It just feels like it keeps on piling on and piling on. Um, and it just, it, you know, dare I say the Panthers feel a bit cursed, you know, it's, it's sad to hear that, but it's a reality at this point in time. You can't look at what's happened over the past five years and say, Oh, we're good. We're good. We're going to be good as an organization. Um, I don't know where to go from here. I don't know. Like there, there's one side of me that, you know, wants to be optimistic for the future, but the other side of me looks at what we have and says, we have to tear it all down and rebuild again. Um, and, uh, and that's going to start with a new coaching staff. So, I mean, uh, this will be interesting to, to, to see where life takes us from this point, but right now it is bleak, but, uh, you know, we're, we're all here together. We're all here to try to get through it and, and get through this session of, uh, therapy that we need this week, especially with this news. Um, appreciate all y'all support. You can support the podcast, help grow Panther nation by smashing the thumbs up button, subscribe, hitting the little bell. Uh, to get a notification of when we go live. Like Cody said, it seems like every day we're going live. We're trying to bring you uh, more and more content each and every day because there, as the intro says, is an insatiable thirst for that Panthers news and opinions. Uh, so we appreciate all that. And really, again, remember, lock arms, brothers. We've got to get through this. Now, after Sunday and Sunday's postgame show, really felt like that was the end. Right um, now, I mean, look, is that I don't want to be like, look, is the rest of the season. I think these guys are going to go out and play. Hopefully they play hard and hopefully we see some semblance of improvement. But right now I just don't, you know, the, it's hard after that game in Miami um, to continue to focus on like what can be optimistic. Let's hope for the best type mentality. And it becomes easier and easier to become uh, with the bleak, have that yeah. really grim and bleak outlook. In many ways, I felt like this was the case after the Patriots game. You know, it just was like, man, this season, it's not going to be good. People are talking about, oh, when we get Cam, potential playoffs. Matt Rule's up there on the press conference on the podium saying, if you look around the league, you know, a lot of the teams are like this, and we're a middle-of-the-pack kind of team. We're in the hunt. Now the Carolina Panthers are last in their division at 5-7. and seven. They will play. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, and while we think that a lot of people think that uh, the Panthers should beat the Falcons, I'm starting to think, uh, no, you know, I think more and more, um, no, like, I mean, it'd be surprising if we win any games. So we're at the bottom of our division, maybe one or two wins on the horizon if the Panthers can pull out some miracles. And on Sundays, that's how I felt on Sunday. To yesterday, news broke that uh, Christian McCaffrey would be placed on injured reserve. And Cody and I did 
uh, reaction show yesterday to that. Got a lot of good support from Panther fans. Thank you for that. And I've been thinking about this analogy, and, and it really feels this way, is that we are the Japanese. The Carolina Panthers are the Japanese in World War II. And um, Sunday was the battle for Guadalcanal, right? The Solomon Islands, which is an important part of the island hopping campaign where we're able to then put some Air Force Base airstrips out there and you're able to, you know, like get men supplies and ships and attack enemy positions. So, but you know, you got to get to Japan, right? You know, you're going to have, you, you got to take Tokyo. You got, it's going to have to fall. And then there's this question, the atomic, the Manhattan Project comes about. We get the atomic bomb. And the question, it's a real ethical question. Should you drop these bombs on these cities, right? Uh, which will have mass casualties with them. But the estimated loss for American forces was going to be 1 million men to invade Japan. So we made the decision to drop the bomb. Yesterday, the news of Christian McCaffrey was the Nagasaki, the Hiroshima, maybe. The bomb dropped, and then the day later, Dante Jackson on injured reserve. Another bomb dropped, and it looks like there's just death and destruction for the Panthers organization left over. Yeah, the Hiroshima and Nagasaki of the Panthers 2021 NFL season. You hate to see it. Yep. Um, I mean, weirdly enough, um, and listen, I think we have to have the conversation of is this potentially Dante Jackson's final snap as a Carolina Panther? Because yep. I could I could easily foresee that being the case. It is. Um, you, know, you know, you have to think would the Panthers want him back next year, considering the type of money he's like to demand. And I think there's a conversation to be had around that too. What kind of dollar amount does Dante Jackson? command i mean he played his best football this year but granted it was you know for a couple of weeks in spurts he had some really high level play but um against you know, lackluster talent and quarterback yeah i mean so all of those things have to be considered uh when talking about dante jackson's future <laughs> however tony and uh you and i did a debate my take one time about who was more likely to be in the future uh, plans for the Carolina Panthers, Stephon Gilmore, Dante Jackson. And at the time, I said Stephon Gilmore. And I think this even kind of lends to my argument at the time. If we're able to play some type of meaningful football down the stretch, uh, specifically in our defensive backfield without him, I could easily see us wanting to be a part or wanting Stephon Gilmore to be a part of our future plans going yeah. forward rather than Dante Jackson who might be a little more expensive, believe it or not. Yeah, I think he will be. And the other part of this is if we, like right now, I think me personally, and I'm assuming a lot of people can probably agree, we are at this, at least for now, and obviously this is a week-by-week -week league, right? You know, we could have our offense come out and play lights out. Cam Newton has an incredible game. The defense gets back on track, you know, after the bye week. And then our tunes change completely, right? But right now, it feels like this team needs a complete rebuild again from the ground up. And that does not start with signing a new long-term contract with a cornerback that hasn't really proven to be an elite-level cornerback, right? This starts with getting the, the, you know somebody like J.C. Horn and C.J. You know, Henderson in, involved um, in, this, in this defense and actually being contributors. 
Um, and that to me also means that Stefan Gilmore is on the outside looking in. All right. I don't know when I look at this roster, I don't know that number one, I don't see, I don't know that Brian Burns survives another rebuild because he's going to be two, he's two years removed from a, a, a contract requirement. Right. Um, I don't see a, a re-signing of Hassan Reddick. Um, I don't see uh, a Shaq Thompson surviving a rebuild. Um, I, you know, I, there's just too many pieces on this team. I don't know if DJ Moore would survive another rebuild. Um, and, and it just feels like we have to go from the ground up. Um, and that's, that's the problem right now. Here's the sad part about that <laughs> to continue our atomic bomb narrative is that, uh, our future has been laid to waste in the process of this campaign, this war we just fought. Our beautiful cities and towns have been destroyed and leveled, and we don't have any resources to build them back up. This is the real problem about this, is losing this season in itself was not a problem. But losing your future opportunities to grow and to get better and improve from year to year has become the largest problem. Right now, there's questions growing and growing around our coaching staff, their ability, their capability, their qualifications. And then on top of that, you really made some aggressive kind of off-season moves, backpedaling from some maybe some mistakes that you made, the Sam Darnold trade being the first one. Well, and then, yeah, um, then Stefan Gilmore. Uh, you traded away all your assets, and really, the Stefan Gilmore. I don't even get a problem with it. It was like a six-round pick. But Who cares the about thing, that? the thing with that one is, if we don't re-sign him, we get a fifth-round conditional. You know, right? That's so, fine. But missing a second and a third next year, and that, we and only not have to one, one pick what, in the top one hundred, which means that we can't even tank. We don't have the assets. Instead of trading four players. We should have been trading away players. And Cody, you remember? I said fire sale time. I said fire sale time at the tra- at the trade deadline, and it turns out I was right. I mean, as as far as that, like even with the you know, obviously Stefan Gilmore, um, if he doesn't sign, we get a better draft pick. But I'll, I'll tell you what: with every loss, that Sam Darnold trade becomes more and more and more of a dumpster fire, right? Because it, you got to keep in mind, we traded around us away a second. That second, we're close to almost having it like be the same value as a first round, a later first round pick because we're picking that high in the draft right now. Like we're in the top 10 right now. And so the Jets are sitting there really looking pretty because they have two uh, first round picks within the top five, This at least for right now, based on the rankings and where Seahawks are at because they traded Jamal Adams away. Um and now, obviously, you have the 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 you know Sam Darnold uh, commanding us a, a really high second round pick that we traded away as well. It, it just again just blunder after blunder, and 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 that's where I, I think the lack of hope comes from, at least from the pit of my stomach. When I think about being a Panthers fan, is it just me, or and you tell me what you guys think? Like, does when you have this type of an off season, like it affects my mood so much in my day to day life. Like, I care so much about the Carolina Panthers, and I'm such a diehard fan, right? Like, when this stuff happens, like, I like I can feel a darkness in my life, like, just kind of lingering over top of me, right, when this stuff happens. And, and it's so irritating. It's so tough because, you know, you dedicate your 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 fanhood, your your resources, your money, your your time to a team that just continues to time and time again fail you. 
and and it just it, it it's 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 tough. It's tough being a Panthers fan right now. Imagine going to Miami and being at that game. Mm. Imagine how it felt for um, Nick Montiero, uh, Josh from Mass, driving all the way here from Massachusetts, right? Um, spending all that money, and then your team turns out to be a complete pile of dog shit. And again, I don't think this is, uh, you know, it's like even us losing isn't a problem. You know, it's like if you go out there and you see some signs that that this team's got some fight in them, Mm -hmm. you see some signs that this coach is starting to figure some things out about how to manage rosters, how to um, organize for the future. That's one thing. But these losses, it's the, the loss is actually the easiest part. The hardest part is coming to terms with that the Panthers have um, endless questions in their future surrounding the people that make the decisions. And it's not a roster thing at this point. If we just said this, it was a lot easier, Cody, when we said build that wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like, look, we knew what you could do. You could do something to get better. You could build that wall. Right now, what are you going to do to get better, Cody? I mean, there really isn't too much that we can do to get better. I mean, look at this season, what happens to our offense when Christian McCaffrey is not on the football field. When, when we do not have Christian McCaffrey to fall back on, everything falls to pieces. And uh, it's not like we can expect them to be better without him, uh, given the fact that whenever he is gone, Joe Brady's offense just he he kind of flinches like Sam Donald does behind a messy pocket. So we're having to look forward to potentially either Cam Newton making magic and finally getting into a rhythm with these receivers. Um and, and hoping that our defense can get back to their aggressive ways. I think that's a lot harder now than it was before. Um, but again, we do have this bye coming up. We have an opportunity to get healthy. But listen, I mean, the, the jig is up, man. I mean, you all read the comments. Everyone's on Twitter. No one is feeling very confident in the Carolina Panthers right now. Nope. Um, you, even, even going into this season, thinking that there would be a possibility that Matt Rule could be on the hot seat. That was preposterous to many yeah. of us, yeah. to thinking that that would even be possible in the slightest bit. But to lose the types of games that we have lost to the opponents that we've lost to by the margins that we've lost by, it's unacceptable, man. And you continue to hear Matt Rule's name being brought up in relation to a bunch of brand-new college coaching jobs like Notre Dame, like Oklahoma. So it'll be interesting to see where we go here because uh, Matt Rule's leash is not very long. I, I'm almost of the mind where Matt Rule is is going to be going to Tepper and saying, you know, I'm just so you know. This ahead. ain't for me. Yeah, this isn't this isn't for me. This is, you know, uh, you know, it, it, let's be honest. I mean, the problem right now, at least what I'm feeling is Matt Rule doesn't, earn the respect of professional players can he earn the respect of of college players sure right but i don't see a team fighting for their coach i don't see it's similar to like i feel worse about this team than i did in the later years of ron rivera agreed agreed because we could just say we didn't have cam and we were getting old on defense 
Right. And like, even I mean, when we felt like that. even when we felt like Cam New or when uh, Ron Rivera lost the team, because there was a point where we felt that way. Like we didn't like we didn't think that, you know, it was just because of the record. We didn't see a team fighting for its coach. Right. And and so I think that when you see that, um, it's 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 time to move on. I feel a hundred and ten percent like we're seeing that. When you see your best players, DJ Moore, you know, Brian Burns and everybody just not show like that, that fight that you want to see from these star players that they're supposed to be the people that were first round picks that should be showing up day in and day out. And they're not like, it's a problem. And you know, it's, it can be coaching. It can be this, but I think it, you know, as hard as I am on Joe Brady, when you see this across the board, it also falls on Matt rule shoulders. And so I think there's equal blame all the way around. I don't think a single coach on this, on this team, survives this year especially if there is no fight uh before the end of this year it was hard for me to imagine a scenario uh cody where like you said at the beginning of this season where matt rule i could see his seat heating up uh, this year you know is like if some things right it's like all right year three we're going into it you better get some shit done but it's hard for me to envision a scenario um, where he could be fired at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also hard for me to envision a scenario of it being this bad. Agreed. Right? Like, I mean, like, absolutely this bad. And again, I come back to this is I don't even care about the losses anymore. I don't care about the record. We won five games. We've already gotten to where we were last year. But this team looks worse than last year's team. Yeah. And there's still plenty of time Agreed. to go. Uh, the defense at the beginning of the year, you know, kind of turned out to be a fool's gold thing for us, right? As we said, man, this is, look, this is all great. We're all heading. Look, this is going somewhere, could go somewhere, but Darnold turned out to be worse than could be imagined. And in the process, the roster management throughout this period and the way we can pivot towards the future has made it like untenable. Like, so, like, I mean, I don't even know what step one is at this point. Um, and I think that, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's right to fire coaches prematurely, right. By not giving them enough time, but I don't know what I would ask. This is what has Matt rule done um, in this season um, to give us any reason to keep him. Not like a reason to fire him, but like a, I'm looking, I'm searching for a reason to keep him. He's been manic throughout the season. He's been reactionary to everything that happens. We don't run the ball. In, uh, it started in week one with Christian McCaffrey. As we yep. hosted the Jets, the immediate headlines and questions from the reporters came about. Do you think you're overusing Christian McCaffrey? He had 33 touches that game. And what they do the next week, they start rotating people like, and it looked mm-hmm. almost like forced. Agreed. And then, um, and then you had the like, I mean, from the one thing to the next thing. Um, now they even brought they activated Deontay Brown. You Deontay see Brown, I did. That it's might like, be whatever. One. What can we do? Like, I mean, there <clears throat> are is is he's reeling, dude. He is reeling, and it's uncomfortable. Uh, Carl Vans in the chat, he said that what, when, when I was re- looking at his press conference, he said, it's like watching a comedian bomb. 
You know, it's yeah. just, um He looks more and watch. more depressed as the day, like every game, like he just, like even, I, I personally, I don't know if you guys feel this way, like from the start of the season, it just does not, like Matt Rule doesn't look like he has the demeanor of a head coach in the NFL. Like he just doesn't. Like I, I, I don't know what it is. Like it just feels like last year, I, I, I honestly, like I look at him, like I look at some of my coworkers who hate their jobs. Like that's what I I feel like I look like what what Matt Rule looks like when he's up on the stand, when he's answering questions that he doesn't want to answer. He answers them in the same way that people who don't give a shit about their job answer, and that is just the the easiest way to get somebody to stop talking to him. Yeah, and also let's be real about um, where we're at right now. The biggest issues on this football team revolve around the quarterback position and the offensive line position. Yep. I want someone to make an argument to me why Matt Rule isn't specifically to blame for those positions. We have chronicled right here on the C3 Carolina Cat Chronicles channel how uh, Matt Rule has completely and thoroughly mismanaged this offensive lineup this entire season. The man said it was I-85. It was a work in progress, and yet he refuses to play his young players like Brady Christensen at left tackle in spite of Dennis Daly. Dennis Daly never proving that he is a franchise left tackle or even a franchise guard for that matter. And yet they still want to put him out there instead of the rookie that they drafted to do it. Then you have a guy like Deontay Brown, who, you know, if you looked at his film from Alabama, had been an absolute people mover. And, and would have been. And where have we been weak at? Where have we been weak at? at guard. Spe- at guard and specifically at the right guard position where Deontay Brown is ultimately best suited. But then we start to check off the quarterback list. And you have Teddy Bridgewater on that list. You have Sam Darnold on that list, who, by the way, will count $18 million. Against the Carolina I mean, Panthers cap next year. To hear Whitehead, Denzel Perryman. Like, That's let's right. Let's but, and then, then. Oh, well, Perryman right, went then, and like, led the league in tackles. For, after we like, let him yeah, go. Now, mm-hmm. now he's doing good. But then you bring in Cam Newton in the middle of the season. And now here we are once again putting all of our hopes on Cam to uplift this roster, elevate the talent. When he clearly hasn't had enough time to learn the playbook, has been thrust into a starting role, and now everything else is continuing to crumble around him. I'm sorry, but as a head coach, you don't get to have that many calls on the quarterback position, get them all wrong, and continue to be in a position to make decisions about the future of the Carolina Panthers. I'm sorry. No. The the scary part to me has been the management of the team, right? Is that it, and Cody has been up here talking about how David Tepper screwed this up. True, but you know there was a way um, for this to be better, and really it all comes down to last year should not have been looked at as a win now season. It was right. a COVID year. Um, it was. And I know people don't want they, people get mad when you say tank, 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 right? But again, this is not players on the field tanking. This is not coaches in the film room tanking. 
This was um, a strategic. This should have been a strategic acquisition. Um, like it, like thinking of like a bloated company, like a GM or something, and you got to sell off a lot of these poor assets that are bringing back low returns or sinking your company in the bottom line. That doesn't mean you stop selling products and running your business at the same time, right? And we could have. And even this is at, at seven. At seven, Cody, we were still in a position to pivot towards a rebuild. But the Sam Darnold trade, not only did it just turn out to not work, it turned out to be a disaster, right? And really a disaster because once you went with that trade and you signed his fifth-year option, you put yourself out of the running for a quarterback. All right? Okay. So you say, well, they didn't like the quarterback. You didn't like Justin Fields. You didn't like these guys. Okay. Well, here, maybe I can show you this. Hopefully I can pull it up, pull this up for you. Uh, this is going to make your heart hurt. This will make your heart hurt. And I know Cody Cody Lash will love all this because he's been on top of this, folks. You got to give him some credit. Right here. Right now, Rashawn Slater is all, re- all pro ready as a rookie. He might like be one the, of the left tackle in football right now. Which is crazy. All right, so then, so what are our problems, guys? Quarterback, offensive line, and you have continued, continued to not um, address these. But the problem is, is then now you put off the ability to address them. You, you pushed it back even further. From everything people have told me is that they're not in love with the quarterback class from college football this year. Um, and you had one of the, at least if, according to the scouts, one of the greatest college quarterback classes last year. Right. So what are you going to do now? I mean, now you're going to pick the left tackle, but then what are you going to do at quarterback next year? Are you going to really, you can't go out there and trot out Sam Darnold. Maybe you can, maybe that's what you do. Um, but I just right now, I think that that shows like um, an inability for this, especially Matt Rule, to look down the road. Can I can I say this much? I do not want to hear the word quarterback out of anybody's mouth with regard to the Carolina Panthers until we have a fucking offensive line. I am so tired yeah. of having to make excuses for our quarterbacks because of our offensive line. I would much rather have that wall built for that quarterback, and then we can judge our quarterbacks with an honest and eye-opening look, right? Right now, we don't. We can sit here and say all day that that was Cam Newton's fault, and he didn't play well, but at the same time, you have to look at this offensive line and say how much of that was them, right? And, it's, and yeah. I'm so tired of having to do that with every single quarterback. No, we've only we done have. it for 10 years. Every single year that our quarterback plays below par – that is a part of the conversation every time. I am so tired of it. Until we figure out this offensive line, I want absolutely nothing to do with a damn quarterback, be it in the draft, be it in the free agent market. Let's keep Sam Darnold. Let's keep P.J. Walker. Hell, let's keep Cam Newton as long as we need to until this damn offensive line is figured out, and then we can judge these guys appropriately. Until that point comes, I'm tired of fucking quarterback talk. Yeah, and I even mentioned this to Tony yesterday when we did our live stream, if it's me, I'm signing Cam to another deal. And I'm not looking at Cam Newton as 
you know, a, a five-year fix. And as much as I hate to imagine Cam in this role, he would be a, a, a perfect bridge quarterback to whoever we bring in while we build this offensive line around him. And, yeah, I do think that Cam would look a lot better if he did have some time to throw the football and wasn't immediately being blown up. And, yeah, once he did have some time in an offseason to get on the same page with all the receivers, yeah, I do think Cam Newton could play okay in this offense. Um, whether or not he'll be given that opportunity is a whole other story. And, yeah, I would – dude, could you imagine if we had to suffer – through another season of Sam Donald, if we had to go into the 2022 season knowing that Sam Donald was going to be our starter, like David Tepper, we have to. I'm 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 bringing my blame back to David Tepper. If Panther fans are that pissed off about this, as you should be, then we all need to start pointing our finger at the guy who has his fingerprints all over all the decisions that have been made so far. David Tepper has been too late on every pivotal decision the Carolina Panthers have had to make. And now here we are paying for it. All right. I like this. I, I like the that attitude too, CK, of like there's no reason. And, and especially yeah. missed the boat, really, because you were in a prime position to either start fixing the offensive line last year or getting the quarterback of the future and not even playing them this year. Like you wouldn't have even played them. Um, but that you should have kept Teddy and done that too. So there's all a shoulda, coulda, wouldas. But here's the problem is that the Darnold thing cost us the second and third round picks. So right now, building that wall, that offensive line, is not going to be an easy task. I think Matt Paradis is probably, I think he's in the final year of his contract. I'm not 100% sure. I'll look it up in just a second. We have no question. We have no uh, answers at any of the possession, positions outside of just hoping that Taylor Moten is not deteriorating because the guys around him suck so bad. So even we can't even fix the offensive line feels like a two year fix at this point, because there's no sense in going and paying a bunch of free agents either with no real plan in the future. I mean, maybe you could get a, maybe you're trying to find a free agent left tackle that you're going to put on like a five-year deal and really just say, hey, you know what? We're almost going to not even play you next year. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like... Am I, mean, the next- only, am I the only one that's so annoyed that we don't know what we have in Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown? Like, we're wondering about how many pieces do we need to fix this offensive line? And we're a lot of them. Whole se- well, right, but we assume... But does that go off the assumption that Brady Christensen and Deontay Brown just aren't good enough? No, and now we no have not to- at all. No, I actually think this is that, you know what, they got to be part of the build. But you have to have basically two good players. You need 10 good offensive linemen in a way, or eight. Because you know what? Somebody's going to get hurt every year. So it's like you can't even just field five guys and say, all right, well, we got five. Right, you need a sixth and seventh man kind of to step into that. So even if Brady Christensen is the starter, you still th- need three other starters. Yeah, like we could have and we should have probably drafted all offensive linemen in the first three pick, first three picks of this past draft. Right, and you know what is that? Not everybody would have been great from day one, but in two years, 
you got an offensive line that's coming into its own. The problem that I have now is this, is that next year seems like a burn season to me. Right at the very and in the worst case scenario, probably is that Matt Rule's part of it. If Matt Rule is part of this, I mean, right now I have zero faith that things are going to get better. I just don't see the Ron Rivera in him. You know, as Ron Rivera was on the hot seat in his second year, Ron Rivera never lost a locker room. Ron Rivera last as on a, is on a three game win streak right now, and he's pumped up. He's pumped up. We don't need to win another game. Number one. But not having our second and third round picks is devastating to us. It pushes the goalpost, the goal line, so much farther down. So you're going to tell me we're going to have to go. We're going to bring in a new coaching staff, probably, it seems like at this point. And look at what they're going to get. Look at what they're going to get. They're going to get a host of free agents. Our best play, our best defensive player, arguably, in Hassan Reddick, probably won't be on this team now, especially if Matt Rule's gone. Right. It's like, I mean, there, nobody's, no need to prioritize Hassan Reddick for another coach who doesn't really, you know, just has a limited guy, sort of, you know, a kind of a one dimensional type pass rusher. Um, look at what he's going to inherit. He's going to inherit, inherit a defense that really has nobody. Right. Maybe some young, unproven people in CJ Henderson. I don't know who else. We got no Jermaine Carter Jr. Jason he's going to be gone. Well, uh, so look, he's going to inherit this. Imagine being that coach. He's going to come in and he's going to have nothing. He's going to have a team with no offensive line, a team with no quarterback and a team that lost really its best parts on defense because they probably don't need to pay anybody right now. Yeah. And again, this goes to a scenario where because David Tepper messed up everything the first time around with his initial coaching hire, Now, all of the big-name coaches that you want to see be in consideration for the Carolina Panthers, I said to you, Tony, you already know the name I want. I'm saying Eric Bieniemy. I think a bunch of NFL players would love to play for that man and what he's capable of doing for a football team. But why would Eric Bieniemy want to come to this situation? He doesn't know. Well, anybody getting a head coach, no one's going to a team. No one's hiring a head coach and going to have a good situation. Let's be clear about that. You know what I'm saying? And there's some that are better than others, though. But not terribly better, right? Like, I mean, there's a reason you're getting a new head coach, right? I mean, like, think about the teams that are probably going to be shopping for a head coach coming in the future. The the Giants, maybe. Maybe not this year, but next year. Um the Seahawks. Probably. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. All right. Now, and then you go More, to Houston, the yeah. Jaguars, and yeah. um, the Raiders need a coach. And uh, that's it. That's it. Those are all the teams. So, yeah, is that maybe you, you could say that the, Ra- uh, that the Raiders are in a slightly better situation? Maybe you could say the Seahawks, but they're on the last year of Russell Wilson. So it's not like great. You're not walking into the best situation. And I yeah. know that you're going to go and root for your boys Jags because they got Trevor Lawrence, but he hasn't even been that. So it's like none of these teams are good and in great in good shape. So I don't know if I would go, well, man, I think the difficulties of not having draft picks would be problematic. I think head coaches need to take a job when someone offers it. Because you know what? If so, if, Imagine if Joe Brady turned down a head coaching position last year. Guess what? He ain't getting one this year. 
Yeah, but I mean, imagine though, like uh, you know, to what you know what you just said. If you if you're offered a head coaching job, you should take it. But look at David Kelly, the head coach for the Houston Texans right now. I mean, yeah. So I I also write. Yeah, for, I mean, he's yeah. gonna make. He made more money. He's gotten his name out there. He's gotten some yeah, head they're coaching probably experience. Gonna fire him at the end of this year. Why? That's fine. That's better than being a special teams coach. Why would they fire him at the end of the year? He's he yeah, came into okay. a horrible situation. Have, yeah, but dude, listen, uh, I, I write for the uh, the Texans also on DraftTech.com, so I also have to kind of follow, follow them. them. I mean, not as close as I do the Panthers, but yeah, their fans uh, are ready for him to be fired. Uh, uh, players are quitting on him. It really does seem like it's going to be another version of uh, Eric Washington. Um, or no, Steve All Wilkes. Right. Uh, Steve yeah, Wilkes. Who, who Which is fine, but he got a head coach job. He got the head coach pay. You got one year of it. Of course you should take it. Like, I mean, that would be like this. is If you knew you were going to take a one-year job, but you're going to make 10 times the amount of money that you made in your old job, you go do that, and then you come back to your old job. Yeah, but it's like you know you're being set up to fail. What's Steve Wilkes doing now? But here's where, the where thing is, is that you could potentially you could potentially succeed. That what you're saying this is I don't like this. This is not the Cody I know. This is a scared Cody. That's scared Cody. You're scared. Are these you're trying to tell me Eric the enemy doesn't believe in himself enough? He doesn't believe in himself enough? Greg Roman? No, these guys uh, all I'm saying do. is that the Carolina Panthers, when you look at them compared to other places. Say what you want. Yeah, one year of Trevor Lawrence being bad at Jacksonville, you still have a young quarterback with a lot of talent that you're going to be able to build around. Now, Seattle, they might be without Russell Wilson. There's a bunch of stuff that's up in the air, but you have to tie all those things together. If the Panthers don't have a ton of draft picks, well, that's also going to be considered when you have to rebuild the offensive line, you have to bring in a new quarterback, like Eric Bieniemy doesn't want to go and be the next Dave Cully, where he's gonna go be one and done at at some you know bereft NFL team, and then go back to being an offensive coordinator somewhere. I would. He wants to come I would. to a place, but he wants to come to a place where he knows that he can be a name for himself and be a legitimate NFL. He got passed coach. over four times last year, Cody. He ain't getting. He ain't gonna say no. He ain't going to say no. He ain't going to be like, sorry, I'm waiting. I mean, how do we know he got passed over? How do we know he isn't doing exactly what Cody just said? He interviewed for these jobs. You always take the interview. We don't know why. Maybe he decided that he didn't want to go to some of those those situations. I disagree. I think this is that you take the promotion, and if you don't work at it, then it just doesn't work. And you can go and you'll get a job back doing something else in the future. Uh, Someone put the Bears, too. We're going to be a team to think about. Um, So the Carolina Panthers, though, are going to have to continue to focus on, um, I guess, uh, what do you think Matt Rule and them are trying to do right now? As I watched this, uh, his his press conference on Monday morning, um, and there were tweets coming out saying something's amiss, something's amiss. News is probably going to break. I heard people saying, seemed like something was up. It was the Christian McCaffrey news is really what it is. But the one thing that struck me about the Matt Rule press conference was a realization of how bad it was. Like, I felt like I was looking at a man who finally understood this the precarious situation he was in and a man that really didn't look like he had a single answer. 
right? I mean, at least Ron Rivera was said when we had penalties, he said, we got to get this fixed. We're going to get this fixed. You know, it's like, I felt like this as he was like, this is what it is. Sorry. We get penalties. Sorry. We suck. It looked like a beaten, a man that didn't have a plan, a man that didn't have a plan and an answer. He didn't, he didn't have a plan. And one of the things that I think we're having to learn the hard way is that uh, Matt rule says that, you know, he has a, a, you know, this philosophy and a system and, guys are buying into it or it, he has no idea what his system is uh, that there is no system there is no methodology i mean matt rule is essentially grasping at straws here we have no reason to believe otherwise i mean nothing works every single time matt rule and it was even brought up to him at, uh as one of the questions uh, in one of the press conferences this past week you know, you, you know, you'll say that the team has a really good week of practice, and then they go out and have such an abysmal performance. Clearly, something isn't translating. And if you listen to Matt Rule fumble and fight for words, it's clear he has no idea what he's doing. Uh, Roosevelt Mongo with a fantastic comment says Matt Rule is a defeated man. Because he has no idea what he's going to do to fix this. Especially now you're going to take weapons away from him. Listen, I think Christian McCaffrey going to IR, Dante Jackson going to IR, Matt Rule is going to be able to use this when he's interviewing to be the next head coach of whatever college football team and say, yeah, well, I lost Christian McCaffrey and I lost Dante Jackson. But don't worry, I'll come to your college football town and turn your team right around. I've so. learned from my mistakes of relying too heavily on one guy. Basically doing what Ron Rivera's been doing as well, which is saying, you know, that he 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 learned the hard way when you have an offense revolved around one piece that, you know, that it never works. And and I think this is the same thing Matt Rule is going to end up doing. Well, we had our offense revolved so heavily around uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey. And he was never healthy. So, you know, I've learned my lesson and I'm going to bring that lesson along to you guys as well. Like that's going to be the, the selling point he has in any interviews that he has. Crazy. Think about this, though. Right now, the offensive line needs a complete overhaul, right? A complete overhaul. Uh, Cam Irving and uh, Pat Eflon will still be here, but Matt Paradis, uh, Trent Scott, John Miller, all free agents. Um. And then you get uh, here, look at this, on the defense, these are all starters that are going to have free, Gilmore a starter, Dante Jackson a starter, Justin Burris a starter, Jermaine Carter Jr. a starter, Hassan Reddick a starter. All of those are free agents. So is Marquise Haynes, Sean Chandler, Rashawn Melvin, Julian Stanford, Frankie Louvu, Daquan Jones is on a one-year deal. And so now we need another damn defensive tackle again. We're in the stupid defensive tackle, like nightmare of, of always. So yeah, this is a team. Um, this is a team that needs a, a ton of work. And I just don't know when you look at the roster that the way it's put together right now, if Matt rule uh, is the man uh, to do, to, to entrust with any more time behind the wheel. Um, so yeah. then you're going to have to be talking about looking to hire a coach. Then you're going to be talking about, you know, Tepper's going to have to come out swinging the big bucks. That's another way you get a coach 
you know, you get the big bucks. And sorry, he's going to have to fork it out um, because Matt Rule is under a long-term contract and the losses by keeping him around might be greater than just by cutting the losses and paying him. I wonder if Matt Rule leaves. If Matt Rule quits, does he have to still get does he still get paid that for the contract or is it just like per year or something like that? But if he gets fired, he probably gets paid. I'm assuming there's some sort of a guarantee. Like I don't think they put too much public out there as far as like coaches contracts go, but uh yeah, I, I imagine there's a good amount of it that's guaranteed, but I I, I think there's there's got to be a piece to his contract that's like listen, you're unproven. Like if you're not in the playoffs within the first two years or three years, then, you know, if we decide to cancel the contract, not, you know, none of it's guaranteed or something crazy like that. Like being a college coach, like I'm over the college coach. Like I, I listen, I Greg had it right the whole the whole time. I am over it. I'm ready. Just go and try to get Tony Dungy off of the broadcast booth. Like, I thought you were going to say Tony Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm at the point where I'm just ready for I want Greg this. Roman. That's who I want. I want somebody I'm, who's had some long-term experience in the NFL, or maybe even someone who has, like, coaching experience in the NFL and was a, a player in the NFL. Yeah. You know, that's the great thing about Ron Rivera, is that I Ron mean, Rivera was on a winning. He was on the 85 Bears defense. Look at Vrabel. Right? Yeah, and I feel like they know in the back end of the season what you're going to be facing. You know, it's like that. I think that's what Ron's experience really helps him the most is that like it's it's like being like the season itself and it's up mm-hmm. ebbs and flows and things like that. He understands, right? So he can come out there and he can continue to see yeah. one step forward, one step forward. Also, uh, I think roster management um I think is I think that here's another example of where David Tepper screwed this up, Cody. Is the roster you not only bringing an unproven or, or a college coach with who lacks experience at the the professional level? That's really it is the experience at the professional level. It's like how do you ma- manage the waiver wire? How do you manage the roster? How do you manage these injuries? How do you do this? And then being a year behind on getting Scott Fitterer in here. Right. It's just like a, an ass backwards way of doing it. And I think that this and we've and I've said this over and over on the podcast is that not only just Matt Rule doesn't have experience at the NFL level, none of his other coaches do either. None of the other coaches can really see like, hey, this is pro- this is a little risky by thinking of the roster this way. This is a this is a little risky. We need to be thinking about two years down the road type thing or whatever it may be. And even Scott Fitterer has a somewhat limited experience. I mean, he's never, and I don't, I mean, I know you got to grow up, you grow up, you got to get a job, first job and stuff. So I'm not ready. The jury's out on, on Scott Fitterer. But for me, I just don't know how, how anybody can step forward with Matt Rule at this point. I mean, you would really have to, how about this is tell me this, and then we'll go to some cat calls. Just a moment is, uh, what would Matt Rule have to do in this, the remainder of the season? Um, to change to to change that narrative that there is no possible way that we would feel comfortable with him driving the car next year. He has to show some signs of life. We're gonna need to to win at least two or three more games in a way that looks competitive. And even if we were to lose, we cannot continue to be blown out against inferior football teams. Like we have been the past few weeks, man. Teams like 
the Washington football team, the Dolphins, teams that even now, if you were to break down their roster, then break down our roster, I would say we were the more talented of the two football teams, and yet we could not get it done. The Carolina Panthers have to show some fight. They have to show some signs of life before Matt Rule is going to get the benefit of the doubt. Because other, if he isn't able to do that, I don't know how David Tepper could look at his first NFL coaching hire as anything but an absolute failure with no ways of rectifying this situation outside of finding a brand new coach to come and lead the Carolina Panthers. But before we go to those cat calls, Tony Dunn, uh, we have 142 naughty kinksters in the chat room, and uh, you know we aim to please. So, uh, CK, why don't you uh, speak to the people? That's how I feel about the Carolina Panthers right now. But you guys are here, and you probably feel the same way. But you're here still showing the support to the C3 Panthers podcast, showing up every single week, every single post game. But you're in the in the chat right now, and you haven't hit the thumbs up button. I have one thing to say to all you kinky bastards. Subscriber shame. Subscriber shame. 140 people watching. 71 thumbs up. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe. Gently caress that notification bell like you're about to make sweet, sweet love to it. So that way you can know every single time the C3 Panthers podcast is dropping that hot content on your life. Because you know you're having more fun here than you are actually watching the Carolina Panthers football team. So hit the like, hit the subscribe, hit the notification bell. Tony Dunn, let's listen to the people, man. The number is 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. We'd like to hear your perspective on Matt Rule, the future of the Carolina Panthers. Should the Panthers trying to win out can they do anything to save matt rules job do they have a chance of winning any games going forward and how could uh how can we start to turn this ship uh slowly around so what are your thoughts on catcalling yeah it's pretty you shouldn't do that to somebody and how did that make you feel uh very uncomfortable so how do you think catcalling makes the person feel it feels good like that cat sitting in the back corner with his face buried in the snow. Who's that kid that can use one? Podcast Brothers, how y'all doing? It's G of RCA. Hey, man. There's another person in, added to the injury reserve, man. You see the Dante Jackson? I, I, I got this little text on my damn phone. Panthers.com. Dante Jackson is on injury reserve. He's going to be out for the rest of the season. I don't know what the hell is going on with the Panthers. Why is everybody getting hurt? I don't, I don't, I don't get it, man. I really don't. And I'm going to say this here right now. I don't see Dante coming back next season. I really don't. I really, really don't, man. I don't see him getting a big payday. He started off good. You know, played a hell, hell of a damn first three 
that tell you the first five games he played lights out, man. You know, but started going downhill, man. I don't see that dude getting re-signed next year or with a big contract that he wants or whatever, man. And I hate to say this too, I don't think DJ Moore is going to be here next year, man. If his contract runs out, whatever, you know, I, I, I'm not really, I don't really know his contract like that, man. But I don't see him. I have his jersey too, man. But oh well, you know. I'm glad it's a bye week. You know, somebody. The At coach, least we can't lose this week. Has to sit back and be like, we are way better than this. We are way better than this, man. But, you know, anything can damn happen, man. Anything can happen. And Christian McCaffrey, as y'all know, is on injury reserve, man. This motherfucker stay getting hurt. His, his damn bones like made out of glass or something, man. Would you trade him or would you bring, bring him back next year? Or, I saw this shit online. Would you convert him to a slot wide receiver? Hmm. Give me your thoughts on that. Keep pounding. <clears throat> slot. I mean, listen. I don't. I don't know how much Dante Jackson would. Or, uh, Dante Christian McCaffrey. He might have that pride about him where he doesn't want to play another position. He might look at himself as the best running back in the NFL. And why would you play me anywhere else? Um, I kind of think that moving him to slot receiver, Christian might view that as a slight against his own ability, which, frankly, I don't know why. I mean, I think receivers probably have a bit longer of a career. And I think at, at the top end, they get paid a little bit more. So, I I mean, if I'm McCaffrey, I would revel in the opportunity. To, I'd almost beg. Uh, hey, can you just uh, move me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and CK, to your credit, you've been saying for a long time, that Christian McCaffrey might just be the best receiver on our football team anyway. So, uh, I mean, I'm at least willing to entertain that idea and and run forth with that option. Um, I do think that his body is proving to be fragile and cannot handle a full NFL schedule. And like I said yesterday, I hate that for him. I hate that we're talking about this with Christian McCaffrey and him continuing to get hurt. I mean, I hate it for the guy. He's one of the most talented players I've ever seen. But he just continues to get hurt and hurt and hurt. And we're going to be having the same conversation every year, it feels like. The more we continue to do the same thing over and over, I mean, that's the definition of insanity. Do you think Dante Jackson's really that hurt? Well... Man, I I, I I question the severity of all of these injuries of guys go into yeah. injured reserve. It almost it just seems so. Isn't it just so coincidental that Sam Darnold really stunk and he's on IR? Then uh, you have all these, but the Panthers really stink, and now Christian McCaffrey's on IR. Dante Jackson's getting smoked for two weeks in a row. Now he's on IR. It's like they're putting him in a penalty box. Yeah. I mean, can you? I, mean, I wonder if you can put a player know. on IR. Do you get to designate? Like, what if we? What if Christian McCaffrey came out and said, "I can play in two weeks. I shouldn't have been put on IR." Can you place people on IR against their will? Yeah. I mean, I think we did it last year with Christian McCaffrey. Like, yeah, I'd say that happens all the time. If the coaches yeah. and the doctors say that you're not healthy enough to play, it doesn't matter how you feel. We've had our medical professionals determine what your likelihood of being able to play and stay healthy is. And if they didn't give you a clean bill of health, then maybe so. 
it, it's always hard though when you're, you know with going with what you were talking about Tony like how much truth is there to this are they just doing this to kind of save their own asses and we can always you know hypothesize that that might be the case um but then also we we have to look at the history of both of these players Christian McCaffrey and Dante Jackson are injury prone they have a long history of being injury prone so, but, but Dante Jackson has a history of being injury prone after after looking like an ad, like looking like dog shit, like e- after almost every time. Like, I, I if you go back, like after every time he gets burnt, like on a big play, he's always injured, right? Or he should have been pass interfered, right? And that's a lot of guys. Don't get me wrong, but like that's that's my question. Is I'm less w- wondering about whether or not the team is putting him on there. I'm more or less wondering is Dante Jackson putting himself on there, you know, and and I don't know what the, what the reality of that, I don't know what the back of the, you know, the office looks like with regard to these conversations and whatnot, but I've just, I've seen Dante Jackson, you know, get hurt and bad. Like when he looks bad way too often for me to start thinking, maybe, maybe it's not just, you know, maybe it's not the team, but maybe it's Dante Jackson. Paul Mancini, uh, which I love your name because it makes me think of my mother. My mother's maiden name is Pancini. So Paul Mancini uh, said Rule and uh, Notre Dame will announce uh, he's going to Notre Dame by Thursday. The number is 252 228 What's going on, C3 Nation? It's your boy, Jay Anderson, hitting you up. Like I said, like I said before, I think I've been saying it for year, for um, months and months, even um last year. It's all falls on David Tepper. Everything falls on David Tepper. He is the fault of all this. You hired a college coach who didn't have no NFL experience. Thank and then you had people who bought into the whole Oh, you know, he gonna build a program. He built a program in college in three years. I was like, yo, that is college. I mean, I you look at Kenneth Stefanski. I mean, the dude went into the Browns organization. I mean, and they just, and automatically they went to the playoffs last year. I mean, I mean, even though the Browns ain't not having that great of a season, I mean, they're having a better season than the Carolina Panthers, but, you know, they still, I mean, the only fault is probably Baker Mayfield, but they still doing way better than the Panthers and stuff like that. Um, This all falls on David Tepper. Matt Rule, I'm really tired of him. I'm begging and I'm hoping, like, just hoping that a college team just come and get him. Just come and get him and stuff like that. Just oh you, I mean, what do y'all need to know about Matt Rule? Because I, I mean, I'm on Twitter and I'm just bigging up Matt Rule. That I mean, because Oklahoma, y'all need him. Notre Dame, if you want him, come and get him. Just come and get him. Just get him out of Carolina. Because I can't take it. Because you know, Cam, my boy, I love Cam Newton. I just didn't want him on this on this team, and I understand why other people want him to come back. I just didn't want him to come back with this coaching staff and with you know with this team and stuff like that. I just didn't want him to come back to this mess 
you know, this this whole coaching staff gotta go. I mean, it's just time. I I'm just hoping and I'm just praying. David Temple, you got the money to let him go. Just hey, dude, and just let get a better coach. Do better research and getting a better coach. Somebody that's in the NFL that can that can run a team that know how to motivate players that know how to um get an offensive co- coordinator and a defensive coordinator or know how to call plays, man. Get Matt Rule out of here. I just wonder if Matt Rule knows enough about football. <laughs> Sometimes I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Really, it's been um, a disaster. And I was thinking about uh, again. We kind of keep going back. It's like it's worse than imaginable. Um, last year, I expected our team to look like this last year, and I was prepared for us to look like la- this last year. And somehow, uh, the team looked some uh, looked competent throughout the season. Uh, this season. With a, a year under their belt, um, I didn't expect the team to take major steps forward, but they've looked incompetent and throughout the season on the field. Um, and at times, it's like just just kind of mind blowing to watch it look so bad. Um, but then the decisions of how to proceed and build this team going forward. If he's a org- if he's a program builder. This is, he's the worst builder in the world. Like, I don't let him build your house. I wouldn't even let him build a doghouse at this point because the quarterback situation has been a disaster. Darnold turned out to be worse than possible to imagine, right? Imagine this. I mean, everybody told us Darnold was going to stink. A lot of people said he was going to stink. I don't even think they thought he would stink that it would be this bad, right? Um, And on top of that, the offensive line, atrocious it looks like the there is no light at the end of the tunnel at this point so this builder hasn't he actually destroyed everything that he built last year um and tried to put it back together real quick before anybody noticed and it just didn't work so matt rule um right now you are known as matt fool on this podcast well add to that Um, his their first year in this position in a head coaching position like, I know that this also can kind of fall on a GM, but it, for the first time in history, we, we went with all defensive players in a draft. There's a reason that there has never been a team that's done that before. <laughs> right? Like, so we're literally coming in and trying to reinvent the wheel. Like, that's what Matt Rule has done. And that's a problem. Like, I know that seems silly to just go back to 20, you know, 2020 draft um, and, and, yeah, was he given the short end of the stick in a couple of things with regard to, you know, he got a team that uh, that didn't get the benefit of of having off-season training last year due to COVID? Yeah. Did he get the benefit of having to basically rebuild an entire organization? That's what you take on when you become a head coach in the NFL. Because there's not, let's be honest, there's not a positive team that is going to be hiring a head coach. Like, it doesn't happen. Unless it's something like Bill Cowher when he re- he retired, right? Like Mike Tomlin walked into a great situation, right? Outside of that, if you're getting a head coaching job in the NFL, it's because you're going to a bad team. And I don't, yep. I think Matt Rule was has been just in over his head. It just feels like he's overwhelmed, and uh, it doesn't mean that he can't be a good coach at some point. But I want to see him be a good offensive or defensive coordinator in the NFL before he comes in as an NFL head coach. He's his only NFL experience. Same thing with like I talk about with Joe Brady. Let's talk about what is his experiences in the NFL. 
It is literally an offensive coach, offensive line coach. What's our biggest weakness? (laughs) I mean, I'm not seeing anything that's valuable from this guy. And I, I, like I said, I wanted to give. And it was so long ago too. It was when Tom Coughlin was the was the coach for the Giants. And I almost don't even know. He was like an offensive line coach assistant. You know, he wasn't like. I mean, I don't even know if he was the head, like group coach you know it's yeah. like you you hear these the position group coach i don't even know if he will and that's another thing with joe brady again is joe brady his his time in the nfl was as a low-level offensive assistant where the head coach is a mastermind of of the offense they had a crazy awesome quarterback he probably barely got to sit in the same room with them half the time i just imagine him getting coffee and donuts for him um or um coffee and beignets uh for for those offensive players and that's why he liked and he knew teddy bridgewater so well they were half the time they're probably sitting in the room beside each other in the back of the room hoping to to get a little love and action um so yeah it's difficult uh it is a limited experience on from top to bottom on this and you got to wonder too has the roster man management from scott fitterer um has he done a better job throughout the season um, or in this draft and going into this year than Marty Herney did. And the the thing is, is you wonder, was Marty Herney's long-term experience in the NFL actually a, a beneficial to Matt Rule? And is, is Scott Fitter really, like, how much power does he have? How much input did he have on this season? A lot of question marks uh, and no answers. And any of the answers that we get are probably not going to be pleasant ones. Right. So, uh, tough news. All right, let's go to the next call. Hey, this is Kevin from Charleston. And listen, I know, you know, most people are going to be calling up saying, you know, trade CMC, which, you know, what, what are you going to trade? What, what are you going to get back? Nothing in value. And you're still going to have to pay him. So, we're not trading CMC. Um, you know, trade some other pieces, yeah. But most, I want to talk about something I don't, I don't think y'all brought up on Sunday. Maybe I'll do it. I don't know. But um, what do y'all think about us not starting Derrick Brown, our first-round pick? Good, good, good point. I mean, I brought this up earlier. You know, has Derrick Brown lived up to that pick? Should we regret it? And now he's not even starting a game because Matt Rule said his play in the last, in the last game. I mean, that's something that's very concerning, even more to put on Matt Rule's plate you know, him being on the hot seat. I think that's very telling. Very, very telling that nobody's apparently talking about. But I want to get your thoughts on that. You are you're absolutely right. This is actually one of probably the most worrisome developments that's come you know, that or continued. It's like where there's smoke there is fire. Right? Uh that's kind of what the people have said in the past and like um this is just one of those wor- the development, like one of those developments that kind of continues to worry about um, Matt Rule's resolve and confidence in himself and his system, his players, and how to get things done. Because um, one thing is that if you if if you could say anything about uh, Ron Rivera, there's a couple of th- actually a couple of things I'd be very confident in saying. One is that um, he was loyal to his players almost to a fault. Right. Um, he wouldn't sit guys when it was time to sit them. You know, it's just uh, he would stick with me. Look, he's still dragging Kyle Allen around with him. 
But man, he gets a lot out of those dudes. Look, man, Washington football team looks better than we do, and they're playing with with Taylor Heineke, dude. You know what I mean? And and he's out there getting it done, which is crazy. But the other thing about Ron Rivera is that that man was a man of resolve. Like he doesn't get shook. And I feel like Matt Rule gets shook. Um, again, we talked about it like all throughout the season. Something bad happened. People start talking about um, benching Darnold. Then he benches Darnold. Then they talk about you know bringing in Cam. Then he brings in Cam. Um, people are talking about need to run the ball more. And then we come out takes two weeks, but we run the ball like fifty times uh, against the team. Um, I feel like Derek Brown is just another example of him just like panicking. Um, it's, it's strange that all of a sudden a man who started every game since he became a rookie is, is there's no like reduced snaps. It's very public when you don't start them. Right. Um, like you do that. And then on top of that, we continue to hear that Matt rule. He said, this is I said, as soon as I said that I read the headline, I knew that you guys kind of took what I was saying the wrong way. I think he reads his own news. He's like Donald Trump. He's like sitting there watching the news and calling into the talk shows. He probably imagine how many burner accounts he has on Twitter. So Derek Brown, um, big question mark too. Again, um, and and there's there's two questions: where there's smoke, there's fire. Don't forget is that the Panthers at um, picking that Derek Brown at what eight? Pick Derek Brown at eight. Yep, number eight. Um, and then we picked uh, J.C. Horn at seven the next year with a complete refusal, complete refusal to address the offensive line at any point. You know, I mean, and, and then is and the quarterback, too. And I, I don't I don't care about who the quarterback was, but it was just like this. We have these needs right here. And you just refuse to do. And now it's not even working. Derek Brown didn't even turn out to be Aaron Donald. Or something, you know, or whatever. And yeah. I don't, I like Derek Brown as a player, but I just feel like a man is like, it almost is the point where it feels like Rule is throwing people under the bus at this point. And I don't think he can fire Joe Bray. I think he should fire. I think that, that, that would, I told you guys a few weeks ago that firing Joe Brady would be a way to say that he's trying to do something. Right. But I don't think he can actually fire Joe Brady because I don't think anybody else on that team has the ability to call the plays. I don't even know if, I mean, was Matt rule. I mean, has he been an offensive coordinator at any level before? Matt rule hasn't done anything other than offensive coordinator, offensive line coach. I mean, listen, uh, yeah, uh, again, this goes back to Matt rule making decisions that have not been in the best interest for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Derek Brown could have had Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is having a fantastic year this year. Uh, would be one of the best linebackers. Well, you on could just team. have an offensive lineman, Cody. Who cares about Isaiah Simmons? We need offensive linemen. Yeah, but could have gotten him the very next year in Rashawn Slater. My point yeah. being is, is there have been numerous picks that could have been made that have not been made. And even the players that we did pick um, so far, like Derek Brown, has been very underwhelming. And this is one of the reasons why I did not want to draft a run-stuffing defensive tackle with our top 10 pick. And and here we are again uh, picking in the top 10 if the season were to end right now. There's no progress. I mean, every year picking in the, in the top 10 and getting the same results over and over and over 
It's like something isn't working here. And once again, we have to put it all back on David Tepper. Uh, I mean, David Tepper, it, he is seeing everything that's happening with his organization and everything that he has let happening on his watch. So uh, if he really wants to get this right, I told you, Tony Dunn, he might have to do what he's not willing to do and rip off that Band-Aid. Rip off that Band-Aid, get it over with, and bring in new people that can actually be trusted to do the job. If he can, uh, yeah. I mean, he's got a relationship with the Steelers. Maybe he can get uh, Cower out of retirement. Nah, Cower's fine. Just sitting on Fox right. uh, on Sundays once a week. Uh, he's, you know... Um, I'm really, I know that people don't want to talk about the draft at this point. Um, and I don't want to talk about the draft in players, like in specific players and needs, because um, it really is, is uh, like, like CK said earlier, it's like, there's only one answer. It's offensive line. Right. I mean, like that's the only thing that's going to start to slowly move this ship in the right direction. Um, everything else will just be window dressing until that offensive line is built and not rebuilt. I'm talking about built. You know, there's nothing, you know, you don't have the pieces there. Um, you don't have a starter. You don't have a center. You don't have, I mean, you're losing, your starters are not only lose, leaving, but they stunk anyway. Right? Matt Paradis won't even that good. You know, so, I mean, we're, we're going to have to build that wall. And that's the only answer. But when it comes to the draft, here's the problem is we only have one pick in the top 100. So how do you accelerate this process? You know, and um, I know Christian McCaffrey, the trade Christian McCaffrey uh, talk is uh, easy to point to, but the caller was right, is that you really can't trade him. I mean, if you do trade him, you're going to lose all the money. I mean, you lose a bunch of, you're going to have to eat a bunch of dead money. Um, and really, are you going to be able to get an asset that is worth losing that money? That's what I would say. It's like, I mean, at this point, I'd rather just have Christian McCaffrey, and if he can ever play, that's better than paying him to go play somewhere else. Um, because nobody's, I mean, what do you want? Like a six-round pick ain't going to help us. A third-round pick really ain't going to help us. So how do you move people in this offseason to acquire assets? I mean, you're probably talking DJ Moore. You're probably talking Brian Burns. You're probably talking Derek Brown, maybe. Like, those are the things, and, and we need to get a second. I don't know. I don't even know if that would help. So, um, it's a tough. These are trying times, man. I can't, I can't remember where, I guess it is that 2010 felt this way uh, to a certain degree because you had so much money sunk in those running backs. Um, but at least you were going you were coming into um, a quarterback class where you thought you could get Andrew Luck or Cam Newton or even Blaine Gabbert. Right? Um, but still, guys, we don't even have there's not anybody in the court in in the draft right now that I would think would really immediately start to change things. A and two, we just need to draft more. We need more than one person. We really need to be a team that has like two first round picks next year. That's what we should be, right? That's a like that's how desperate things are. Look at how long it's taken for Miami to turn things around. Look at how long it took Cleveland to turn things around. Remember, at, remember at the end of the year last year, people were getting mad at the Eagles for tanking 
because they kind of. Uh, I think they they took some players out. It, it, it was very clear that they were trying to get the better draft pick. Uh, and you look at them now; they have three picks in the top ten. Dude, don't you wish we had that right about now? Rather than us continuing to fight for one dead season that we actually had a general manager that was here at the time that knew how to build for the future and get draft picks and money and building a young, dynamic, talented football team. But again, um, Washington football team that destroyed our season two years in a row. Think about that. The Washington football team destroyed our season two years in a row. One this year because they really took, uh, they kind of exposed like that it was not meant to be by beating us last year. They, they won and we lost that number three pick. And the way I think about it is, is that a lot of people say, well, man, the quarterback, quarterback, that wouldn't change things anyway. We could have traded with San Francisco. We could have let them have that. You know, they traded up to the thir- three spot. And then we could have been that team that had more picks going in the season and really been in the same situation. So tough place. It's really hard to see how the timeline is going to be anything more than three years now before we see a strong team put together. 252-228-5098. Hey, guys. It's Joey. What's up, yeah. Joey? Glad you haven't been able to see this. It's been terrible. I don't even know if I should call it a game because it wasn't. But I was there. So I go down to Miami thinking that, man, this is going to be a good game. We got Tua coming on as of late. Dolphins getting hot. We're getting hot. And then... Ah. I mean, it's so bad to the point where, like, the Dolphins' fight song comes on in the fourth quarter when they get another touchdown. And I'm like, this motherfucker's catchy. And I'm singing along. We're already not going to win anyway. I mean. You got a Tua jersey and everything. The Panthers are done, dude, for the season. And uh, Matt Rule needs to go. Although sometimes I teeter on giving him, should I? Should we give him the third year? Should we not? Joe Brady definitely needs to go. I'm going to have to make another call because I got something to explain about that. It's going to take, like, it's going to take longer than I have in this call right now. But not all was lost because while I was waiting in the parking lot for an Uber to go back to the hotel... Who do I run into but Sean and Avery from the four-man rush? Oh, nice. And uh, I was talking to him, and I said, yeah, I go on a podcast every Tuesday night. And, you know, they got a post-game show. And then he was like, uh, we don't do our post-game till tomorrow. And I'm like, what podcast you got? And he says, four-man rush. And I'm like, shit. And uh, I asked him about, uh, oh, Tony Dunn. And he said, yeah, I'm familiar with Tony. And uh yeah, it was fun. And I did uh and I did this for him. Wow wow wow. I'd be disappointed if you didn't, son. Did <laughs> so, he was in Miami? I missed I that. Feel, was he? I, he was. I feel like I feel oh, like he, I feel like he cheated on us, man. That that row, that's 
that, that belongs to us, man. You're just out there giving it to everyone. Come on, Joey, you little whore. Um, hopefully they had nice things to say. Um, I feel like some uh, the what's interesting about some people creators is some are territorial, and some are open to like collaboration or just acknowledging that other people exist you know so i've been on the streets doing this for like nine years i've been real busy on twitter like for a long time that's where i've put a lot of my energy in you know upwards almost seven thousand followers and it's just strange to see someone who's been like involved and you've interacted with them for like nine years and then they don't follow you and you're just like interest i mean not that i like you even really care it's just like man i thought that like that's what you would do is you would follow people that do the same crap you do yeah um so i hope they had nice things to say i don't know i have a, i've only I've, I've been on a round table with them a couple of times they got a lot of dudes putting in a lot of work though so um i'm one of those guys that i think this is watch every channel like every channel the more we can trend carolina panthers talk the more um, we're relevant and actually at this point uh, we're going to need uh, fans to really hunker down and be committed you better get your resolve on you better put your Ron Rivera face on folks because this is going to be slow this is going to be a slow beating like I mean this is like the that Chinese torture where they do the drip and it's just splatting on your head and it's going to be like three years of this drip on our head um, because at least we'll have a coaching uh, a coach, a head coaching hire to talk about. Um, and I hope, imagine this is imagine if the Panthers do trade out of the first round, like Paul Mancini said, that post game, that uh, draft party is gonna be a real snooze. So, you guys hunker down, get ready, uh, to defend your Panthers. Um, and for the gatekeeper fans out there who call people true fans. Right, you know, which I'm I'll take any fan, I'll take a part-time fan, a full-time fan. We're gonna need every fan we can get. And really, you're gonna see who the people are that are okay with cheering for a team that loses. Um, because here it comes, folks. Here it comes. Two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Hey guys, it's Joey again. Uh and to the point that I teased about the uh offensive coordinator, I've been thinking about this for a couple of days. What's Katie Sowers been up to? Like, is she still under Kyle Shanahan? Like, I mean, she's got to have more NFL experience than Joe, than Joe Brady. I mean, Joe Brady just sat in there scratching some Sean Payton's ass when he did it. Or, like, cracking his back when he's, like, you know, punched over or whatever. But he's not doing shit. I mean... She's actually been involved with the Super Bowl team, I'm talking about Katie Sowers, under Kyle Shanahan, who, if you talk about offense and football, and he's at the top of their game, Kyle Shanahan's on that list. And you think about the fact that if you hired her, okay, as a being, being given that position as a woman in the NFL, uh, there would not be any missed opportunities if she could help it. Which means we're probably going to be fun. We're probably going to be out to win games. She probably ain't going to put up no bullshit about, you know, players not wanting to win. 
But the problem is, I don't know if she'd want to work with Matt Rule, and I don't know if Matt Rule would hire her because she would take his job in about two years. If Matt Rule coaches the way he is right now, and she was on his staff, she'd be taking his job. So, uh, I, you know, I would love for her to be OC. That'd be fun. I mean, just kick the, just swing for the fences. You did with Joe Brady with even less NFL experience. Fuck, he didn't even have that much college experience. He was only involved with the, like, what, the pass, like the third down passing or whatever. I mean, come on. Who is he even like, talking about? I don't about? know what, I don't know, like, if, if Sowers is a position coach or whatever, but she's got to be better than fucking Brady. That's for damn sure. Anyway, guys. Wow, wow, wow. Um, that is, you know, you are in a, you've done a real cruddy job. That's your job when people are calling to trendset with the first female Offensive coordinator. coordinator. <laughs> Listen, I, especially, I, I personally don't want to see another scenario where Cam loses sponsors. Like, can we please not like, oh, bring God. this up? <laughs> feel, oh, gosh. Imagine that. Imagine the tweets <laughs> right. that would come out. Uh, Cam Newton signs extension. Carolina Panthers hire first female offensive coordinator. First question asked. She talks about routes. <laughs> His first comment, she talks about routes. Oh, my God. All right, next call. What's up, guys? Maddie Matt here. And uh, like I said Sunday, it's, I'm just heartbroken with this team right now. I don't think I've ever been this upset since 2015. Uh, well, no, Cam was a pretty big one. Cam letting him let go for something was pretty bad. But... Uh, it's pretty bad that I might make multiple phone calls tonight. Mm. And the first question for you guys is, with Christian McCaffrey's injury history and the O-line's history and the quarterback play, how much is the O-line to blame for Christian McCaffrey's injuries? Nah. And if that is the case, that we can put the majority or even half of the blame on the O-line, can we apply that to the other running back's performance, uh, specifically Chuba? Because uh, there, there's so many red flags and questions everywhere. It's it's bad. So, you know, there's the first question of the night. Anyways, keep counting. All right. Offensive line's relationship to injuries for Christian McCaffrey and larger. Um, the first thing you saw is um, – People talking about that they blame. Uh, I heard people saying I blame Ron Rivera for running uh, him into the ground and uh, for ruining Cam's career. The offensive line, uh, I don't know if it contributed to um, Christian McCaffrey's injuries, right? Um, but I will just kind of pivot to that question to the Chuba Hubbard part. Um, I think you see the drop off between running backs real quickly is that Christian McCaffrey is able to actually produce 
behind such a bad offensive line. I think the the fact that these other guys struggle in just in traditional run, runs, right? Every now and then you'll see them rip off one, but it's like a lot of times it's like no gain, no gain. I think that shows just how dire, how poor the offensive line is. In fact, like I think Christian McCaffrey has masked, just like uh, Cam Newton masked for so long how bad the offensive line was. Let you get away with it. Christian McCaffrey kind of lets you get away with it. So I don't know if it contributed to his injuries. Um, because these are now soft tissue injuries. I don't know. Um, so the offensive line is just bad. Cody, thoughts about the relationship between offensive line play and, and player uh, injury history in Carolina? It, it certainly doesn't help when you're asking your all-star running back, all pro, to run behind a piecemeal offensive line. It doesn't benefit your running back or your quarterback. And the fact that the Carolina Panthers continue to let the offensive line be such a um, a weak part of this overall football team. Yeah, it certainly didn't help the amount of blows and injuries that Christian McCaffrey took. Um, I, I do think at the end of the day, we're still talking about a problem with Christian McCaffrey's body holding up to the full rigors of an NFL schedule. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it certainly played its part. And, uh, you know, Say what you want about Dave Gettleman, and he certainly messed up a lot of picks in his time as the general manager for the Carolina Panthers. But I will say this. A lot of his philosophies were right on point, man. Big men win football games in the trenches, and we have really failed to do that on the offensive line to a point where our offense for the past three years in a row has been absolutely crippled by its inability to affect all levels of the field because of how porous the offensive line is. It limits our options. And yeah, I mean, I think that Christian McCaffrey could be a lot more healthy if he did have a better, well-coached offensive line to run behind. Well, the Panthers, everybody would be better, right? Um and look, is that uh, that offensive line was so bad it got like five quarterbacks hurt at one point, you yeah. know, like a couple of years ago. Um, the the point about Dave Gettleman that's interesting is Dave Gettleman knows how to talk the talk, but he doesn't walk his own walk. So he didn't do those things. You know what I'm saying? He's the one that drift, drafted Christian McCaffrey. He's the one that drafted. He drafted Vernon Butler. That was the, the his big Kelvin man, Benjamin. his hogma. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin. The, the idea is, uh, it's really not so. It's it's really unsurprising that the Carolina Panthers' offensive line is in shambles. You know, one, I'm used to it. Right? I would actually be surprised if they were good. I think that's why last year I was actually kind of like optimistic about the line. I was like, man, they're not as bad as I expected. Um, but you can't expect to not invest in something and get returns out of it. Like we haven't even invested in free agency in it, you know. I mean, like where where ha, where has been the investment in the Carolina Panthers' offensive line? It's been like penny stocks. You're buying penny stocks and instead of buying the blue chip stocks and really yeah. putting some money into it. Because um, the most we have given this is Taylor Moten, second round pick, Cam and Irving. Greg Little, a se- second round pick. Cam Irving, Matt Paradis. I mean, those are the free agent decisions that they've made. Um, and not, none of them have 
that panned out. I mean, it's. Uh, I think Brady Christensen is like even even if you think about Brady Christensen, that's a third round pick, and you and, and and Cody wants to see him and all of this is that like he wasn't even we didn't even go out and even if you missed in the first round or not didn't get it we didn't even use a second round pick on it. I'm not trying to say he's bad, but you know what? We could have picked. Uh, we could have picked. We needed three, two offensive linemen in the first three picks last year. No investment. No investment from this team in the offensive line. All right, two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. What up, uh, I really don't have no questions tonight. But um, the players that's been in question for us for a while end up on injury reserve. I don't know. If Rule believe that he's gonna be here next year, and if he do, he will try to trade or get rid of them players. That's on injury reserve. Uh, we can't really do nothing with the line because Chris's contract. So I don't see us even sharing that up. Even in, I'm sure we have money to play around and try to get help, but we still need to resign some players. I would like Gilmore back, but. No telling when he's gonna be at full strength. Even if he need another year to have to get back to full strength. But um, what are you guys take on Jermaine Carter? Do we resign him? Let him go? Uh, he been uh, giving me the side face. Well, I've been giving him the side face because I've been watching him this whole season. He seemed to bite the bait. A lot when it comes to the run game. Uh, the past game, I only seen him do something once uh, this year when he went across the field and batted the ball down. Um, other than that, where do we go with safety? We have issues with safety, tackle. We've got so many issues. For a while. So, what do you guys see in the draft of free agency safety wise that we possibly need? You know, I we I haven't uh you know it's gonna we're gonna have to I guess start combing other teams free agency, like who's gonna be on the market now. I mean that's where we're at. Um it would have been so much better if we would have traded players away in week five or whatever it was, six, and then um work to develop these players because like um who said i think it was panthers devotee said uh someone said this is that we uh brady christensen played the best anybody had played all season long at left tackle and then rule puts him back at guard so we're not even developing the talent we have and cody has been uh banging this drum all season long Deontay Brown, now we're going to maybe get him some snap. And it's not even about if they're ready to play. It's just like getting them reps at this point. Just get them reps. I mean, it might not be pretty, but neither was the other guys. Um, what is getting a rep for a guy who's not going to be on the team next year really going to do for you? Um, and then the the last component when it, when it comes to Jermaine Carter Jr. is I have been whelmed by his performance. I've, I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's been good, necessarily good. He's just been okay. Um, and I just don't think that here, here's the thing is that like, he doesn't seem like a guy that you want to move, um, put a lot of stock on being a, a staple going forward. But I don't think he's been, a lot of people like, like to trash on him. I just don't think you're investing on it. Like you can just confidently say, we think Jermaine Carter Jr. is the middle linebacker of the future. 
Right. Right. Um, and it is interesting. I wonder what this, uh, I want to go back. There's going to be so many questions that we, we need to write these down and like investigate them in 10 years when, when, when we can get some players to really talk about what the hell happened during this season. But uh, for a team that didn't have linebackers, why would we get rid of Denzel Perryman? Because you know, Jermaine just, Carter Jr. was doing so good. That was what and that somebody was said point. it was because Perryman wasn't uh who was it? And remember well, Joe Person came on and said he didn't feel like he fit. Well, he also was injured. Like he he like we were told by the Chargers, uh the what was it? Um the Chargers podcast guys that came on. Yeah, I think it was Chargers that, chat that he was too um too injury prone. And we were told that. And uh I think that that was a contributing factor, you know, to our our you know our thought process, our decision, you know, with, with regard to that, cause you got to keep in mind when he first started here, he was injury prone. There is no two ways. Well, yeah. He didn't practice at all in training camp, but like one day, but he also didn't get the vaccine. Like Tim Estes is saying, that's another thing I think had to do with it. Yeah. Um, Dan Arnold. Oh, we forgot about that. That's another move right there, but you know what? We'll get to see CJ Henderson and guess who, what is CJ Henderson needs to practice. C.J. Henderson needs to practice. He's going to practice. There. He's going to play this week. He's probably going to be playing a lot now that Dante Jackson is gone um, or, or has been moved to IR. And that he is a piece that will be involved with this team going forward. So might as well get him some reps. All right, let's keep going through with these calls. Hey, guys. It's Joey again for the third time. Man, that game really fucked me up, dude. <laughs> I mean. Poor guy. I have doubts about every single coach on this team yes. right now. And I know, I know, I mean, somebody's going to say I sound like G-Baby. Somebody probably will. And you know what? I think G-Baby, I think we owe him an apology. Because when we were 3-0 and and, like, we weren't really looking that good doing it, he said, bro, we've seen this movie before. We've seen this movie before. And everyone, including myself, laughed him off. Everyone, including myself, roasted that man. You know what? Gee, baby, I've cussed you out quite a few times. I threatened to take your boat in. Well, but I'm going to be a man and own up to it. You were right. I was wrong. And I'm sorry. We have seen this movie before, but I think it's it's worse. It's worse than is it worse than the last year under Ron Rivera? It's definitely worse than last year because things were looking up coming into this year. It's it's so bad, dude. It's like. Like, even Phil Snow now, I doubt Phil Snow now. I don't think Phil Snow, I don't think, I think he has a glass ceiling, and when he nears his glass ceiling, he, like, drops right down. He's, like, afraid of his, he's afraid to breach his glass ceiling. Because when he's good, he can be good. It's like when you go up to the top and, like, the elevator ride up is fun. But, I mean, when you get to the top, it's, like, painfully slow. And Chase Blackburn, we've been noting he sucks. 
it's so fucked up, dude. Like, why would they do that to poor Cam? And I'm glad for Dolphins. But you know what? I'm not even mad at that the Dolphins won. You know why? Because they've been through a lot of shit. Those, the real fans in Miami have put up with a lot of shit, like what we're going through now, and I'm happy for them. Anyway, guys. Wow, wow, wow. Perryman has 121 tackles and second in the NFL through 12 weeks. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a yeah. lot of tackles. I mean, he was he he's he had a really bad game last uh, this past game on Thursday night. Was it against the Cowboys? No, it was against somebody. And uh, and like he had like two personal fouls that were just egregious. Like he didn't do very good there. But yeah, for the most part, he has been you know lights out for this the, the, that squad over there, especially in the midst of the adversity they've been facing. All right, next call. Uh, my name is Nolan McKay, and then after. I don't know what to say. This team went good. I don't want to say the word, but he just went to hell. I mean, this is crazy. I think that one, I think he probably got a couple more weeks. I think he didn't go to a college team. And, I mean, uh, this offensive line, I mean, we got a lot of free agents right now. And we need to we need to just rebuild from the ground up. Um, CMC is on freaking injured. Um, this dude injured speaks leave. wisdom. The other guys on injured leave. I mean, this is just sad. I don't. I don't even know what to think right now. Keep pounding, and I don't even know if it's a white at the end of the tunnel. To be honest with you, right now. This Keep kid's pounding. one of us. This kid is one of us. I love him. He does. Um, he call in here and uh, is a faithful fan of the C three Panthers podcast. Yeah, but the dude is smart. Like he knows his football. He knows his Carolina Panthers. Mm-hmm. Yes, he, he does. Found him, baby. Because you're right. You're right. I we feel the same way. We're spirit animals right now. And to be honest, um, we almost feel to the point where we could do a better job with you. CK, Cody, and I, we could all get up in that front office and do a better job. And I don't think any of us are ready to say we're qualified. <laughs> I'm ready to tell you that. That little kid right there could do a better job than the damn Panthers coaching staff right now. And identifying the problems. Rule. <laughs> Good God. What a great man. I love that kid, dude. Let's see if he comes back for more. Hey, no, McKay here again. I have one more thing to say. Hold on. He no. said his name. Uh-huh. All right. Hey, no, McKay here again. I have one more thing to say um, to Matt Rule. I feel bad for you, man. Um, I can see the stress in your eyes every time they put the camera on you at the game. Um, you're depressed. I, I just see it in your eyes. You're depressed, um, especially in those interviews. My God. But um, this is crazy. Is Pounding. My favorite call, dude. I think he said Noah McKay. Noah, we appreciate you, brother. Keep Noah. on bringing that. Keep on bringing that heat, man. Dude, we love it. And uh, listen, man, it's it's also kids like him, man. These young guys that are fans of the Carolina Panthers that want so badly for their team to be good, and they're just not, man. 
We cannot get out of our own way. Matt Rule needs to run up and touch the DBO sign because he's been doing his part in beating ourselves. Did you hear him talk about that? You know, Chris Jenkins asked him about it um, in the press conference. He said, is that sign still a thing? And Matt Rule goes, oh, yeah, it's a thing. He goes, I think our problems are a little bit bigger than touching a sign. And I thought, good God. I'm glad you didn't see what Twitter said about that sign from the beginning. Man, they were roasting you over that stupid sign, and it didn't do shit. Oh, it didn't do squat. Love that caller, Noah, man. You're the man. You're my spirit animal. 252-228-1598. Hey, guys. It's Chuck from Elizabeth City. You know, this is a lot to digest. And um, what looked like after feeling like Ron Rivera took this team and just got so mediocre and it was the same thing every week. We're so glad to get rid of him. And I know you're doing an okay job in Washington. I, I still don't see it being great. He had a lot of young defensive players and he's winning, but it's not like he's really But Matt Ruling staff last year looked really promising. I mean, I can see even though they finished five eleven, eight of those eleven losses were by like seven points or less and it just looks like they were getting better every week saw improvement look at the green bay game the defense yes and the kansas city game it looked pretty good and this year we start out three and oh and the wheels fall off and i don't mind losing if i see improvement but the guys look like they're not playing with anything they don't look like they have heart or frustration I'm really having a hard time finding even the best players on the team playing lights out. And this coaching staff has no clue. And Matt Rule, I'm so disappointed because he looks lost. He just looks like he's out of his element. And I know Tepper doesn't want to like a fool and just fire, fire, fire to rehire. But he's really going to have to have a powwow with Scott Federer. Say, hey. We got to come up with a plan to pick a coach and a coaching staff and a philosophy and, and take what money we have and few draft picks and free agency and turn this ship around. Cause it's not going to happen overnight, but they've got to lay the foundation to make the future better. You know, I don't want to, um, you know, I want to give Matt rule, um, look, he's got a difficult job. You know, coaching the NFL, uh, difficult job, difficult task. Um, coming into a situation, too, that had um, its own inherent set of challenges. And you knew he was going to have to learn on the job. And I agree with Chuck 100 about last year is that the most promising thing out of the first season under, under Matt Rule is no one looked over their, in over their head. Yeah. That was Except year one where the time we should, where we were going to expect it to look in. And that's when I would have been even accepted it. The problem is, is that he does look in over his head this year, which is a year later. So all the things that we saw as strengths like last year and reasons to keep the course or, you know, be at, and, and in some ways optimistic yeah. about the future, those very things have become weaknesses now. It, it feels as though, but the problem with that, like even with the defensive, like, 
he came into a tough situation. A lot of the problems he has right now are self-inflicted. Like yes. these aren't these aren't things that just happened to him. These are things that he did. Like they made that. Like I still can't. I know we had this hope in Sam Darnold, but can we talk about how how fucking stupid it is to pick up a guy's fifth year option? On a with the type of cost that it's going to bring along with it because of the the high draft capital he commanded when he first you know came into the league like that the to pick up the fifth year option just to give a guy confidence was so stupid and then add on top of that you look at the year before you get rid of a guy on his last year in the contract with no guaranteed money and you know who has proven himself to be a pretty good can't you know uh, quarterback in this league for a guy who also who goes equally injury prone, who had a huge injury and who hasn't really been able to prove much beyond just one year uh, in, in, in a Vikings uniform. He's doing pretty good though in Denver now. He isn't doing pretty good. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not doing pretty good. He's, he's, he's again, doing exactly for them what he did for us, which is doing be coming in and being a guy who isn't necessarily the, the worst quarterback in the league, but he's not winning the games for them. Like, he's not doing bad. Don't get me wrong. He's not sitting here. Like, he's not Sam Darnold. We should have stuck with him, though. We should have stuck with him. Not because he would have been, we would have right. been, um, like, a greater. Like, we could have, first of all, we wouldn't be worse than we are now. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, huh. in, in comparison to Sam Darnold, I think you're right. I think we should have stuck with him. Like, if we had gotten a Matt, Matt Stafford, hell no, get him out of there, right? right. If we had gotten, to, you know, Watson... Fuck no, get that dude out of here. But, you know, because we we gave up what we did for Sam Darnold and we still are paying Teddy Bridgewater what we're paying him and we're paying Sam Darnold what we're paying him and now we're paying Cam Newton what we're paying him. We, like, literally, yeah. the past two years have just been a huge fuck, just stupid circle that ends us right back with Cam Newton. Um, it's and, a clown and, show, dude. Yeah. It's a clown show. You're absolutely right. Is that That's the thing is that... Um, when I when I say uh, challenging circumstances, you know you had a defense that you're gonna have to build. You know, I mean, you weren't inheriting a team that had you had questions about Cam's health and stuff. Mm -hmm. But you're right the the real problems though right now, um, facing this team are worse than they were when he came in. And second, you're right. He, you're absolutely right. He is. He's done. They have done this to themselves. And unless, and I can't believe, I believe they gave him a lot of, of leeway, a lot of yeah. say on the personnel. And it really was this, is that, yes, is that, look, is, I am the first person to say I didn't like Teddy Bridgewater because I didn't like him because I love Cam. Right. Number one. That's my number one. Number two is that you saw kind of like who he was and the limitations. But I didn't ask you to go get somebody worse than him either. You know, and mortgage your future. Pay, at the, uh, at the same a higher price, yeah, yeah. I mean, we paid. We're paying money. We paid draft care. Like, I mean, like we overpaid for a car that was a piece of junk, and where we had a car that at least got us to work before had, had high gas mileage. Like you, can, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I call Economy myself car. You, you know, I'm 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 a an amateur scout, right? Because these past three years, I've been working with Draft Tech and here on the C3 channel, you know, going over prospects and looking at talent. And it really does go to show you just how much of the job is evaluating talent. Being able to know 
what a good football player is and isn't. And you think that it would be simple, especially if you're someone on a seven-year contract getting paid millions of, of dollars, that you would know what a good football player is like. You would know what player has potential, even if they're a little bit rough around the edges. They might just need some polish in a few different areas of their game. But when you look at it, so many teams falter because they cannot evaluate talent coming into the draft. Then you have a bunch of expensive players as they get up in age in those contracts that don't produce a lot for the football team. You end up having to recycle a bunch of free agents because you miss on draft picks. It's a, a, it's a purgatory, man. It's like a flat circle. It's the same thing over and over and over. And some of the worst franchises historically have had those same kinds of problems. We're talking about the Texans, the Lions, the Browns up until recently. A lot of the worst football teams, they don't know how to evaluate free agent talent very well. They don't evaluate draft talent very well. And now we're in the situation that you were talking about, Tony. You didn't have to love whoever the next quarterback was, but you at least expected someone competent, someone who could be a winner, someone that can do all the things that we expected them to. Where you should have just stuck with where you were at. You don't go backwards. 100%. Especially if you're going to eat his contract anyway. What's that? Especially if you're going to eat his contract anyway. Yeah. I mean, we paid. I mean, we paid. We're paying all of these people. It's just like kind of dumb. It's like, I I mean, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make sense to someone who didn't even like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Right. Is that uh, the only thing. And before we came in and you could probably go back and look at how we were trying to be excited about Sam Darnold. Right. When we, when we pulled it up is that the only thing that we tried to probably hang our hats on is that this coaching staff believed that they were good enough teachers to help him. And they didn't, they weren't. And they turned out, and, and this is, was a strength that I thought that this team had. I thought that these guys were going to be good teachers uh, of football. And they're not. They're not. I mean, people aren't getting better. The fact that the, your best players aren't even getting better, is it shows you that. Um, and I do wonder, when it comes to evaluating talent, Cody, um, at the NFL level, is, you know, there's a real big difference between someone who runs like a 4-3 and someone who runs a 4-5 or 4-4. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, is it seems like a small difference because it's just one increment on the stopwatch. But it's kind of like, it's like, um, you know, going um, 120 miles an hour is far different than going 85. So you might have driven or you might drive fast on, on I-95 or something like that, but you ain't ever rode, raced NASCAR before. And I wonder if um, Matt Rule and them, they they had never been on the NASCAR track before, right? And that is like, even if you think about Temple getting secondhand, you're getting secondhand toys, Baylor, was that like them? It's not like he was getting the top recruits. So does he even know what, like, you think that you know what a good football player looks like, but you ain't never really seen the super fast car before. You ain't never ra- raced in that. And so I think that um, these these guys, the things that we thought were their strengths have been exposed this year as their weaknesses. And CK, you're right on the money. Self-inflicted. Self-inflicted here. Uh, let's keep going. Hello, guys. 
What's up? What up? Tony. Is this Carl D? Putin, the man lack. Yep. And the man himself. The, the deep voice man himself. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, yeah. I, I've noticed a lot of us are Panthers are down. We lost this to the Dolphins. My question, can any uh, can anyone of y'all on the panel answer me? Where the hell where the hell was our team Sunday? Did we hell did we leave everybody back in Charlotte? Did we leave everybody back in Bank of America? Yep. What the hell? Because that was not the team that I've seen the last two weeks in Miami. <laughs> it, 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 they, you got to be joking. That team Sunday was not the team. Like I said, I believe I believe we picked up a bunch of imposters on the flight down to uh, Miami because that was not the team. But uh, don't forget, Pastor saying I have a feeling, well, I mean, Playoffs, I can't say that. But I think we're going to have a little more victories this year. Make us all happy. So, I don't know. You guys tell me. Anyway, um, I have one thing for these ball watchers. All you people watching, hit that freaking like button. Or, if you don't hit the like button, guess what I'm going to do? CK, do your thing. These 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 guys are not listening. They watching, but they're not hitting buttons. So CK, give it to them, and I'm out. Get out. I mean, you heard the man. I mean, I mean shit, they man. want it. Uh, I mean, do, do do you think this might be the first time that I've been directed by you guys to do the subscribers, Shane? You guys are kinky. Anyway, if you have not hit that like button. You've been here for possibly two hours by this point, and you haven't done that? Like, really? Seriously? Hit the thumbs up! Hit the thumbs up, God it! Subscriber shame. Subscriber shame. And look, we actually have more more likes than we actually do viewers at this point in the nice. show. <laughs> so, li- so listen, we definitely appreciate all the viewers if you haven't liked, if you haven't thumbed up, thumbs up, if you haven't subscribed, please do so now, man. No matter how good the Panthers are, no matter how bad yeah. the Panthers are, the one constant is the C3 Panthers podcast. We'll be here for you, baby. Hit that like, hit that thumbs up, hit that notification bell. All right. Uh, here it is. It's the last call of the night. Um, hey, this is Kevin from Charleston again. Uh, I don't I just have a comment I just thought about. Uh, David Tepper said, if you think that we have a quick rebuild, or we're going to do this real fast, then he has a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Well, my, I would say to David Tepper, I have a bridge in Arizona by the Cardinal Stadium that I can sell you that actually exists. Because they did it in, what, two years? Now they're the best team in the NFC. 
you know, just a just a thought I just had. Well, yeah, I mean, you know what? It shows you um, kind of the backwards nature of the whole process um, from Tepper and hiring um, a coach with, um, you know, an, an inexperienced coach or unproven NFL coach. Um, but also, really, it goes back to letting Marty Herney pick that coach, help you pick that coach. Um, we've You want to talk about chronicling something. I felt like um, – who was it? Uh, one of the, remember the guest that we got that wrote the book on how to like on like he has the draft school like the um like if you want to scout school he came on here it's like the scouting academy and he's worked with front offices for the Jets and some things before and he was the one that put this um I gotta go look his name up it's been a while but uh, he put this planted this seed for me is that that you bring in a general manager and a coach at the same time and they're a pair. They don't fight that way. They don't jockey for power. They don't pass the blame. So right now, as Scott Fritter is going to be saying, oh, man, this rule guy is really screwing it up. And then rule is going to have the opportunity to say, man, the fitter just didn't give me the things that we needed. Right. I don't even think rule has that, that excuse at this point, but it was the, the, the approach that David Tepper took that already created its self-inflicted challenge. Right. Made a challenge. But then again, um, to not, kind of you know the bridge the teddy bridgewater to sam darnold to no offensive line has continued to show that they're just not building it in the right way because what you saw is this is you saw the cardinals um they just said this is steve wilkes sorry you're a fall guy josh rosen we know you're not the answer and boy were they right boy were they right josh rosen can't even get on a team right now um and then they went and got a coach and they got a quarterback in the first round, and then they put it together. They tanked. They tanked. They effectively tanked that year with Steve Wilkes. And that was after already tanking the year before. So, um, and I and I'm I don't think the quarterback would have solved it all, but it just would have been it's the approach to general manager, to coach, to right. offensive line, to acquiring assets rather than losing assets. It's just not been uh, pretty and and again as i think that like matt rule is to blame for the challenges in his own circumstances right here i think david tepper is a lot to blame for his circumstances of what he's got to deal with at this point um all right so really i think that's what we're gonna we're probably gonna call it here guys there's really no uh no other real news and and stuff to talk about i think we've done everything that we can do i'm gonna try to get josh klein on tomorrow for the beat check uh, to talk about the fallout of Christian McCaffrey, Dante Jackson, what this means about the coaching staff. So we'll see if we can. I'm still trying to land that. Uh, David Newton said he was taking the week off where he's getting some extra time. So he's, I tried to get him. He, uh, you know, these guys are taking a bye week. You know, the reporters at least get some time off. Uh, they are, been working they are hard. on a bye too. Um, but, oh, oh, one other thing. Um, and, and I'll actually, final question of the show, and then we'll do our ISO picks. Do you know that the coaching staff has the week off for the Panthers? Did you guys know that? Yeah, like they are all, they're not going to be meeting in the building. Uh, they have assignments to do. Like he's, everybody's got homework. Right? All the players have homework. All the coaches have homework. And Matt Rule is on quality, quality control this week. Do you think that that's a bad idea? I mean, I know that, look, I mean, I don't know if working these guys into the ground, like is really them going to work going to make it any better at this point. Right. Uh, maybe they need a break. Maybe they do. 
But it just seems strange to me that the coaches right now wouldn't be a little bit more interested in maybe even like having real conversations with Matt Rule where you don't have to worry about the players and all the other nitpicking stuff. Just strange, strange. Maybe I'm the only one that thinks that is. I mean, I, I wish that they would be doing more, but at the same time, who am I to say, nah, you, no, no time off for you. You better be in the building 24-7. We feel like they should be, especially right. after how, how abysmal they have been. But, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, think man. they need to be there all day, every day. But, I mean, you would think that, like, man, we should be really looking at the Atlanta Falcons deep diving right now. I don't know. I guess they just do work on their own. I mean, maybe, maybe they're just, maybe they're grown up, grown up adults, and they're good enough to work on their own. Um, it just seems collaboration would be a good idea. Anyway, um, all right. Um, it's time for the longest running segment, and on the C Three Panthers podcast, it's time to ice some fools up. And this is where we tell someone to ice up, toughen up, to get it together. Um, my ice up pick goes to Matt Fool. Um. Sorry, man. Uh, I want you to work out. I hope you can change my mind this year because I do think sometimes you can prematurely fire coaches, and we've seen teams do this before where they just bail and bail and bail too quickly, and it's just a continued circus. But I'm a, I need you to give me reason to believe. Um, and so I, I need this team to really look like a much better prepared team each and every week than they were. I don't even know if that means winning games. Um, and I don't know, frankly, if we should, we deserve, if we should be favored in any game going forward. Right. So, um, I up Matt fool, uh, change my mind, dude, change my mind to make things not so bleak. Uh, I just think it's going to be a hard impossible task to do so at this point. All right. Who's up next. I mean, I'll go. Um, and I already sort of gave an ice up to Christian McCaffrey. So I'll go the other side of this uh situation and i know a lot of this is supposed to this kind of be you know supposed to provide some levity um to our current circumstances but um you know this segment has uh quickly turned into uh a bit of uh, a bit of what these carolina panthers are and that is just depressing right and so uh, i'm icing up dante jackson dante missing in action jackson if you will and uh and yeah just literally go ice up man cody so, mine um, is the new head coach of the LSU Tigers, Brian Kelly. So, Notre Dame is ranked number five right now uh, in the college football playoffs. And literally before their bowl game, the players get a message that, hey, your coach is now leaving you to go be the head coach of the LSU Tigers. And listen, man, I get $95 million might be enough to make somebody run uh, to wherever their new employer is asking them to be. But I, I just, I feel like um, that's part of the way that you give up on the guys that have been fighting and battling for you um, this entire season. Then um, you hear, Stories about um, when he was at, uh, I believe it was Northwestern, uh, Robert Sala was on his staff and he. I think and, that was him. I don't think that was him. I think that was Chip Kelly. 
and it was Central Michigan, wasn't it? Uh, that's not right, what I, I, I thought. Said, I saw this right. today. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, if if it, if it is, then correct me. I stand corrected. But yeah, that's um. No I, pun I just, intended. Yeah, right. Uh, I just feel like he is not um, you know, he, he's not the kind of guy that inspires a lot of leadership in spite of what they've done. And listen, even at Notre Dame, they never won a playoff game. They were never legitimate contenders in the college. It was Brian playoff. Kelly. It wasn't Chip Kelly. It was Brian Kelly. Yeah, I told you. And, and he ended up uh, inviting Robert Sala to this party. They thought they were going to go there as a party. But he, but he was a graduate having, assistant for him. Yeah, grad, and he, he had them park cars for him. Shovel snow. snow out of the driveway. Dude, what an asshole, man. Uh, Robert Sala said he hopes to never run his organization uh, or to never treat people like Brian Kelly did. So, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of dumb. So, to him, I say, I suck, son. All right, I'm going to share this because it's been just one thing of just disheartening depression on this, right? Um and uh th- but this will make you happy i saw this on twitter i've watched it like probably 200 times now i can't get enough of it um and it's related to the brian kelly thing hold on here it goes hold on <laughs> this guy tweeted this he said the first interview for brian kelly after practice at lsu have you guys seen this uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> can you see am i sharing all right okay yeah hit, hit, hit full screen yeah no, what really happened on that thursday here at augusta high school that led to chris wood's death Listen to his voice. I've watched this like a hundred times, dude. I can't get enough of it, man. His voice changed. Like he was a different person uh, on TV. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right. That's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Every Tuesday night, we're here chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinions. You can find me on Twitter at Cat underscore Chronicles. You can find us wherever you get your audio podcast, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Go ahead and subscribe. Leave us a review. Call into the show at 252-228-5098. Support us by hitting the thumbs up button. Um, A lot of people uh, supported us monetarily. On Sunday in the post game show was crazy. Thank you much for that generosity. But we, the generosity I'd like right now is just come back, come back and hang out with us through this tough time, man. We're going to need your help. Um, we're going to need your help, your insight, uh, your ingenuity. So thank you for your time tonight, folks. All of you that gave us so much. It's very valuable. I appreciate it. Um, Cody, where can they get after you? You can find me. On Twitter at Cody Lack, C O D Y L A C. Um, you can find my written content on drafttech.com, where I'm the analyst for the Carolina Panthers. And uh, yeah, man, that's uh, that's about it. Tune into the Friday free for all every Friday at 7 p.m. 
where you can be a part of the show and let your opinions be known on the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, yeah, that's it for your boy, man. Another Tuesday in the books. CK? You can find me on uh, pretty much all the socials, uh, Code Dizzle Allen. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can, if you're interested in watching anybody stream, uh, check me out on Facebook Gaming. I uh, play a lot of Call of Duty. I'm probably going to be getting into a couple other new games as they start to come out. So if you guys are interested in seeing any of that type of content, come uh, check your boy out. Word up. All right, Cody, take us out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, until this Sunday. Or no, not this Sunday. Tuesday, huh? baby. Yeah, the, yeah uh, until next time. How about that? Yeah, until next time. Keep pounding. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.